This is some bullshit. We want some real music. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see who we can pull out. We gotta pull out somebody else. I can't be doing this shit. We're gonna go with Big Daddy Kane. Let it roll, get bold. I just can't hold back a fold, cause I'm a man with soul and control and effects. So what the heck? Rock the disco text and this groove is what's next. Attack, react, exact, a map, I move you in. A strong song as long as you groove to this. I keep the crowd loud when you hype. Do damage on stage and injure the mic. As I shoot the gift and see, stand still. While my rhyme stick to you like Skippy and Jeff. Till my blood fits on my death kiss. The rap solo is, you don't want none of this. Shut him down. P.E. <laughs> I mean, you got no government open at the time. <laughs> Big shot, AD money, Neil, 
Don't be alarmed. I flipped you around. Oh, you flipped me around? So you're going to look. I'm going to look towards you, but it's going to go to the. Yeah, I had to flip it around. So it looks. I had to like, yo, hold on. I wonder if I can pull that off. And I did. I pulled it off. Like you basically are looking at me now. So when I do this, uh, it looks like you're looking at me. So it looks proper. Until showtime. Does it? Hold on. Look at me again on this one. Nah, because I'm on the other side of you. I don't care who's first or who last. This is my shit right here, yo. I don't understand how people don't 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 rock with this. Oh, this is oh the smell. I mean the uh. uh look at me now. I'm gonna flip you on out. Hey, I'm gonna this. I'm gonna do video to this. Somebody's gonna be like, yo, I can't believe your shit's different. I'm like, whatever. Listen closely. This is the vibe. Now look at me. Yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> now it looks like you're looking in my direction. The other one did. Oh, okay. It was positioning where you were at. That's all. People, anybody that picks up on it, like, looks like the fucking microphone changed over. Like, shut the fuck up. All right, we'll go, we'll go live in a minute. All right. About 30 seconds, I'm dropping off. Somebody say, you Negroes with Scottish planes don't know nothing about the black experience. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of mine, Scott. Right? Make sure you give me those comments. <laughs> give me those. I want those. Like, yo, fuck y'all. Okay. We're going silent. Boom. Cut this down. We're going to turn that off. All right, 15 seconds. Your show Testing. will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. They better be ready for what we about to bring them, baby. I don't know. Hey, what's going on? It's your man, Mr. Direct, doing what he does best. We are back. We are officially back. I don't know if these guys are ready for us. I don't know if they're ready to handle They're going to say some shit. I know they are. They're going to say something. I don't know if they're back. What do you think, Curtis? It's 2018. They ain't even 2000? ready. 2000? Okay. 18. They don't even know what's about to happen. For those of you who have been don't watching at home, this is called the Black Experience. If you're looking at your screen right now, there is a number that you can call in on. I don't want to hear from you people at home. Oh, well, yeah, but I can't call in. Why would I not put a number up there for you? Exactly. It's called the Black Experience. It means that we want to talk <laughs> about it from the point of view of being a black American, right? Yes. People of color. 
We just want to be able to share our views and enjoy what we do. This week has been the craziest week ever. Okay? So much going on in such a small amount of time. I cannot believe for the life of me what's going on with people in this world. People are going crazy. We got a president who's calling, who's basically, I'm sorry, every time he talks about people of color, it's in a derogatory mentality. Every time. It never fails. Every time. Every time. He doesn't like black folks, like Kanye said about Bush. Yo, yo, yo when he said that about Bush, though, that was crazy. Right? I, remember, I remember Mike Myers' face when that happened. Kanye said, Yo, Mike Myers was like, George um, Bush doesn't like black um, people. George Bush doesn't like black people. Let's be honest here. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. No, seriously. He speaks about people of color in derogatory, disgusting ways. He speaks about women. I had a guy on the show earlier this week. His name was, oh, my God, Tom Kruntz. Kuntz. Tom, I, I might have mispronounced his name. I apologize. He said exactly what I was saying. He speaks about people of color. Anyone that's not, not white, male, and Christian, he talks about them like they're shit. Well, not all. Well, remember what he, during, the, uh, during the campaign how he went off on Little Marco and No Energy Jeb. And okay, but little Marco, low energy. He called the NFL players sons of bitches. Yes, he did. Yes, he called did. Africa and he called Haiti shitholes. Yeah. And it, I understand when people say it's not racist. That's not the point. Hold on. Because I see the look on your face right now. You're like, how's that not racist? The reason why I say I see why they're saying it's like, well, you're just calling the country. You're not talking about the people. Right. My point is every time he talks about people of color, it's derogatory. Those countries are predominantly people of color. But wait a minute. He was very happy. Was it earlier this week or was it last week when, you know, he got the blacks, you know, jobs. You know, he got the blacks. But he didn't. And I'm thinking, what, are, is, are, are we going back? Are we going back to when he was polling and he said, look at my little African-American over there? Oh, man. Is that what we're doing? Remember that? Look that, at my little African-American over there. That was special, wasn't it? Right. Now, that, that was probably the same dude in the background saying we want Trump to do with the straight hair in Arizona. Look at my African-American over there. Look at him. My African-American over there. I didn't know I didn't know that it was his African-American. Well, he is the president. Okay. Look at, so this week, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm going to go through it real quick just to give you guys. We got to talk about Haley Barber. Uh-huh. You know about her. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our blacks hypersensitive to racism are we hypersensitive to it as well got to talk about that we're going to talk about the former police chief that was arrested by the fbi for a hate crime we got to talk about that now the thing about this police chief was he actually compared black people to isis well that's an ignorant mentality like he compared <laughs> black people to isis i won't understand that never claim to understand that that's fine we're also, and I got video footage from the town hall from Bordentown, that was it. We're going to listen to a little uh, caveat with uh, the Minister Farrakhan. We're going to listen to a little bit of that. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about number 45 calling uh, Africa and Haiti shitholes. We're definitely going to talk about that. We have no choice but to talk about that. And, you know, what we're going to do as usual is we're going to give you guys a little bit of real talk. Real talk. That's it. That's all we do. We give you guys real talk. We expect you guys to be fair. We expect you guys to be open to having conversations with us. 
That's it. We're not looking for a whole bunch. We just want you guys to have some real and talk. And that's trying to change your mind. We want to hear your views. Your opinions. That's why there is a call see, number. Help you see a different way of looking at things. Since we experience life one way, you may experience life a different way. If you call in, we welcome it. Call in. We welcome it. We're not scared. We're not scared of you guys calling in and saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Call in. Be part of the experience. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to do anything against you. What it does is it helps us grow, and it actually helps, in my opinion, it helps us come together as a people. Conversation. Dialogue. And that's all I'm looking for. I want to come together as a people. Jumping into the conversation, we got to go for it real quick. We got to talk about Haley Barber. Oh my God, isn't she from Jersey? She's from Jersey, Marlboro or somewhere further down. Jersey girl. M- Middleborough or something like that. What disgusts me about this young lady, and, I, and I'm going to say it right now. Roll Tide. Is, yes, Roll Tide. She said, I'm in the South now, so I can say nigger, nigger, nigger all I want. Right. And you heard the girls in the back cheering her on. Yeah. And she's on Martin Luther King's Day. I don't give a fuck if it's Martin Luther King's Day. What's, what's that about? It's the mentality of white America in certain aspects. Um, it's, 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 it's our president saying things and allowing these people to speak their minds yes. a little more freely. We shouldn't be surprised that so, now they're doing it on tape. We're going to play a segment real quick. I pulled a video from someplace. I want you guys to look at it real quick. Don't be scared to say your opinion. Don't be scared to you know just you know go through it. But <laughs> we wanted to share the video to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about here. This was the disgusting and I don't care what anyone says this video was absolutely disgusting. So I want you guys to see what you think about it, and we'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Wanted to be an since I was fucking in high school, and nobody fucking understands Listen. how much I love Outlet Listen, I'm gonna... And now someone wants to save my fence because I said nigger. You know what? Nigger, nigger, nigger. No, nigger I don't care not. if it's Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> nigger, nigger, nigger. I'm in the South now, bitch. So everyone can fuck off. I'm from New Jersey. So, so I can say nigger as much as I want. Nigger, nigger, nigger. And if anyone else wants to fucking snake me on my fucking Vinsa for saying nigger, I'm in a fur vest. I want you to buy my fucking fur vest. Because fuck you. Go to Neiman Marcus and buy my fucking fur vest. Because fuck you, if you fucking snake me to my fucking sorority, that means fucking everything to me. Because fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. you. I, like, no, I wanted to be an outlet since I was fucking in high school, and nobody fucking understands Wait, how much I love outlet And now someone wants to save my fences because I said nigger. You know what? Nigger, nigger, nigger. No, I don't care. I'm going to me. It is. I want to talk about this real quick. First of all, she said I'm from Jersey, but I'm in the South now. So I, can I, want, I want people to understand what she said. She said, I'm from Jersey, but I'm in the South now. As if being in the South means it's okay for you to say ignorant shit. Now, the South, people always want to claim the South isn't what it used to be. But why would a woman 
from New Jersey, which is a highly populated area with people of all colors, races, creeds, and backgrounds. But we do have the highest Klan membership than any other place in the country. So, point. I'm, I'm going to take your point on that. But why would she say I feel okay saying this in the South? She's why? Com- she's comfortable. She's in the. Ooh, I was about to say in the Bible Belt, but you know it is the Bible Belt. But then again, but what kind know, of Bible are they reading? Not well, my Bible. Well, you and know, I don't even read the Bible. Just to let y'all know, I'm not saying because they support Trump, it's okay to call everybody a nigger. But uh, it's you, you, it, uh, you tend to to associate yourself with people who are uh, like minded. Big ups, big ups to the people watching at home. By the way, the guest calling number, if you guys can see, 347-205-9571. That's 347-205-9571. If you're, sh- if you're at home and you're watching, please do me a favor. Hit that share button. Share it out with your friends. Let them know what we're talking about because this is very important. This is very vital for us to have this conversation. Very important for us to have this conversation. A lot of people don't want to have it. We're going to have it. We're going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's all hell. Don't care. Why? Let's let's go back now. She was expelled. She was expelled she from, was. from from she was totally expelled from the University of Alabama. Uh-huh. I don't agree with that. Really? I don't agree with her being expelled, and I'm not saying it because I want to pull people in and I want people to be like, oh, well, maybe he's, you know, a nice guy, or whatever. No. Freedom of speech. True. But why should she hold on? Technically speaking, she doesn't re- listen. How many people have said racist shit and they graduated from schools? Do you pull their diplomas back from them? No, but it's the school. It's up to the school because although but we, we as a country, that's have grandstanding. Of but that's grandstanding. But well, maybe each university is different. You know what I'm saying? It's All, t- okay. It keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I hear you. University of Alabama. I don't know their bylaws, but I'm sure because they just won the national championship in football. You don't want one of your students saying nigga, 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 nigga. Well, I will tell you this, and this is one of the things that I actually, um, I was actually able to digest and read up. One of the things is that she supposedly slept with a black football player. Okay. How many white girls have it? <laughs> you ever see that video where with that video where the white girl sees the black guy, the football player walking uh-huh. by, and you see her grabbing herself uh-huh. like, "Shit, I'd love to get to that mother." Like she just looks like she just got swooned just by say, him just walking by. Let's just say I've heard stories from black football players. Yeah, ain't nothing but a thing. Uh, no, it, it, listen, it's the fantasy. It's the fantasy, yeah. especially when they go away to college. They're away from mom and dad. Here's my thing: I'm sick and tired of the apologies. It was she. There's an apology out there. She's like, "Oh, I'm so sick of it." She goes, "I was so wrong. I should have never said this." Drunk mind, sober thoughts. Hmm. Drunk mind, sober thoughts. Would you not agree? <sighs> I think when you're when you're drunk, drunk mind, sober thoughts. Okay, okay, I guess. Drunk mind, sober th- thoughts. So what else are you going to say than when a person? Decides, by the way, the guest calling number is 347-205-9571. Or hit us up in the chat. If you guys want to go into the chat, give us a comment in the thread. We're more than happy to read the thread online. We want to know what you guys think about this. But I'm more pissed off about the half-hearted apologies. I, I don't want them anymore. You know what? I'd rather have you say, you know what? I'm a little, I'm a little racist. Well, it feels good to apologize. So that's why they do it. How do, they don't. It's, not, it, but it's, it's a not half-hearted genuine. apology. Well, we know full well it's not genuine. We know full well it's not genuine. My problem is this person's actually going to get 
into another school. This person's going to end up someplace else doing the same shit all over again. Now I'm trying to think of historically racist, racist colleges. Uh, University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. Old, old Miss, but I mean, Old Miss had it. We got two comments I, I in the should, thread I right now. Listen, anybody who's a, a running rebel, I apologize. No, no, that's, that's, that's UNLV. Anybody who went to Old Miss in Mississippi, I didn't say that your school. Yeah, actually it did. Racist universities. There are universities. There are. Somebody in the thread said she always felt it was okay to say it. She is just being. She is just using being in the South as an excuse. Yeah, I would. Which I do believe. I believe it's comfort. I believe yeah. a lot of racists yeah. do not show their colors until they're around other racists that say, hey, I'm just as racist as you are. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. You're okay. You're, you're amongst friends. It's the you're well, amongst friends, so I have no problem with you saying. That's why they're saying. saying what they say. Yes. Yeah, you, you wouldn't get, she wouldn't, you wouldn't hear that in mixed crowds. No, I, and I agree with you. I, I think I, where I stand on this and, you know, I – where I stand on this, and I see a lot of people saying it, um, I interviewed a gentleman this afternoon, and one thing that stood out when we were talking about, one thing that was huge was he said, Trump's a racist. I was like, thank God you said it. And this was a... This was a white gentleman wearing a pussy hat. <laughs> but he said it. And he wasn't the only one that said it with right. me interviewing. And it, here's the thing. Because I get to go out and I get to interview people, and I get a feel for the people... When I engage with people on Facebook, I notice how automatically, well, you're the racist because you talk about racism. You're the racist because you turn everything into racism. And I say that to say, well, don't you think there's a problem if you don't recognize that the president of the United States says racist shit? Here's the thing. People want the racist to qualify for racism, to scream nigger every chance they get. To basically do every nasty thing they can to black people, whereas they don't understand that racism today is more co- co- covert. I, it's more it's, it's it's more covert. They especially people that are doing big business. Oh, oh they're not going to come out and call you a nigger to your face. That's very true. Because I got to do business, and it doesn't make sense for me to do business with people when I know it takes that one person to tell me. How racist I am. You got to figure the only color that isn't racist is green. And that's the only and, color. And thank you. That's the thank only color you. that really talks So when everybody. people try to defend Trump and say he's not racist, they don't understand that hanging out with these powerful black people that were seen as leaders in our community helped him business-wise. It helped aspects, put right. money in his pocket. Right. He couldn't come out and say, I don't want to do business with you, especially after his father and him were sued by the Department of Justice. Why is that so hard to comprehend? Oh, he wasn't sued. He he was sued. By the Department for? For marking, he was marking everything as C for colors, meaning I don't want them here. Right. And then people show pictures. There's this guy in his group, Black Conservatives, and he posts this thing where it shows pictures with all these, like, you know, uh, Al Sharpton, Oprah, all these people. Why do people not understand that maybe now because he was running? Here's it, Let me say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Maybe Trump's not a racist, but he's very comfortable. Hold on. I, I'm he's very listening. comfortable with using racism in order to keep his vote and his base there. He's been in for a year. 
And the only people. We didn't wish him happy anniversary today. Man, fuck his anniversary. He was at, happy anniversary, President Trump. Doing a hell of a job, buddy. Hell of a job. Right now, we're still riding on the Obama wave. I don't care what no one says. If you have a problem with that, you can fuck off. But again, why do people not understand that? Why? And, and, and somebody's watching right now and be like, oh, he's so hostile. I have a problem with that guy. He's so hostile. Why are you threatened by a powerful black voice that's not soft? And that's another thing that's becoming even more evident. When I talk about the covert racism, it's white people that can't. And yes, White racist people that can't deal. And I'm not saying all people that are racist are white. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it with black people too. But I see it more with many white people that claim they're not racist. They have a problem with powerful, hardcore voices that stand up and say, this is racist. They can't. We have to be soft and say, oh, well, well did you ever think maybe that could be racist? We've always played that game. They, we, they, black, white people are intimidated by black men. Okay. Okay. So that's the game we have to play. Like you know, we play the roles. Like there's everybody 100%. has a role. As a, as a son, as a daughter, as a husband, as a wife, we all have roles to play. Hundred percent. Us role as as a black man. I'm not gonna not be who I am, but I can't come at you. I can't come at Joe Blow around this corner, Mister White Guy. Like I can talk to you. He'll but, be intimidated by me. He yes. will call the cops on me. Yes. Because I'm a black man. Not that I've done anything. It's your because, presence. Exactly. It's the presence. presence. It's because they're scared. They're, they're scared. And if because you have you a presence, and it's worse when you have a presence that's meant with an eloquent, well-rounded argument as far as I'm able to say it. Like, I love it when people attack my grammatical stuff, and I'll tell anybody out there that's like, yeah, but you speak in half sentences. Why don't you listen to the show and see how many half sentences I speak in? So what you're saying is because I'm not a professional writer, you don't understand what I'm saying, but you could go down and list what I'm saying and try to correct it. Right. You know what I'm saying. The problem is, is you have no argument against it. There's this one gentleman that goes in and goes, I want to come on your show after he insults me. And then after he insulted me, he was mad. I didn't want to bring him on the show. And he goes, he told the mutual friend, I didn't accept his apology or I didn't reply to him. So because of that, he didn't want to, you know, I'm an asshole again, right? Now, this is what I say to him. How much of an asshole are you that you don't realize I have a show and there's a phone number for you to call in on? The show is public. You can find it. It's public. Multiple streams out there. But you don't do that. You know why you don't do that? Because in the end, you just want to up me, want to up me and try to embarrass me as if I want an argument because he's a typer mm -hmm. and everything for him is about what he could type, but he can't sit there and argue it. I'm sick and tired of people that claim they're not racist trying to explain racism to me. You well, haven't lived it. Well, that's easy, again, because, you know, although we are black men and although we are black people, the white person still sees us as children. So we, they have to explain what, what they think we feel or what they think we're trying to say. But how can they see a grown man as a child? Do white people not call black grown men boys? Boy is, like Michael used to say on Good Times, Boy is a racist derogatory term deemed to keep down the black man. Don't ever call me boy. I am not a boy. I'm a grown-ass man. And when they do it, and, and try I can prove it. And when, they, and when they do that. That pisses me off. I hate the it, word And boy. when they do that, or, or what they do is because they can't call you boy, they try to say your name in a childish manner. Again, covert racism. They, can't, they don't have the balls to say it outright because what their defense at that point is, I didn't call you a boy. You know what I mean? But you're making fun of my name like you would talk to a little boy. Right. You change it. You know, oh, like I had one guy, and I'll say my name. I don't like to say it. Oh, Marky boy. You know what I mean? I know. Oh, little Marky. 
You know, know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly who you're talking about. And then when they say that, oh, well, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't being racist. You know, I just called you Little Marky. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's how you speak to one of your guy friends that you disagree with? That's what you say to him? It's, so I agree with you. It is. But when we get back, I want to talk about hypersensitivity to racism. Because we're talking about it basically now. <laughs> and Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't understand that we are. Listen, when we go in a break, what you're going to see in a break is I did. Did you do anything for uh, Martin Luther King's Day of Service? I did nothing. You did nothing? I did. So the videos that we're going to show are going to be for me doing it. If you guys missed the show, uh, Beer and Politics on Monday, that's what we're going to show. We're going to be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're doing what we do best, giving you that black experience. The guest calling number again, 347-205-9571. Call in. We'll be back. Of course, call in. We'll be back in a moment. Don't do anything. Listen, it's real talk, baby. Oh, it's real talk. Hi, this is Amanda Barnett. I'm one of the co-chairs of the Martin Luther King Day of Service that happens throughout Fanwood and Scotch Plains. We just had our opening program over at the JCC, and now the events, as you can see from behind me, are happening. This is a sandwich-making event that is run right, by a Girl comments. Scout troop, and one of the troop leaders is with us. This is Diane McGinnis. Hi, my name is Diane, and my Girl Scout troop, they're fifth-grade girls, Taryn signed in. A lot of people are just scared to sign in. But, you know, we just keep going. What they are doing is we provided Ziploc bags and gloves for each participant. And visitors are coming and they're bringing bread. They're bringing meat and cheese. And they're making their own sandwiches and packing them up. And our girls are uh, counting them. We hope to make over a thousand. And we will be donating them to the Salvation Army in Plainfield later today or tomorrow. That's just one of the many volunteer opportunities happening here throughout the day. And you can go to our website, www.spfmlkday.wildapricot.org, to learn about more of our activities and to learn more about us. Thank you. Mr. Direct, we are at the Martin Luther King Day. Oh, start again. You're Mike, so you don't need me to move No, to nope, you got it. Okay. I'm, I'm lapel. Gotcha. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, Mr. Director, we're at the Jewish Community Center for the Martin Luther King Jr. Day of the ninth year in a row that they've been hosting this. With me, I have Courtney. Courtney, you want to tell people a little about the service? Yeah, sure. Um, so for nine years now, we have organized this day of service on Martin Luther King Day to make it a day on and not off. Um, we have several um, opportunities for volunteers all through the day, all through Scotch Plains and Fanwood and neighboring areas for people to do things to help others. What does this day mean to you? Oh, wow, it means a lot. Personally, it means um, something special that I can do to um, touch others throughout the year. Um, it's one day where I know that a lot of people can, who don't normally volunteer maybe throughout mm -hmm. the rest of the year, can um, find something that might inspire them to continue to help others um, other times too. Now, it's one day of service, but mm -hmm. do you think that we should start doing this more often? and trying to call the people to task maybe one. Sure, that'd be great. That's part of what we wanted to do from the beginning is to use this as a jumping off point, particularly because someone may not know that there's a need in a certain area or that there's something that maybe touches their heart that they would want to um, continue doing. And so this is a chance for them to find that. In today's climatic atmosphere, with everything that's going on, political, local, and national, 
how day how important of a day is a day like today? Oh like, yeah, how, how impactful is it? Well, hopefully it's impactful for people. That's why we do it. Um, yeah, I, as time has gone on, and um, as you say, there are all different things in the air. I think that something like this is very important to help everyone see that um, it's good to be kind to your neighbor and to help others in need no matter what. Do you have a favorite quote from Martin Luther King? Oh, wow. Um, I love the one that was said to here today up on the podium talking about how everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to be the mayor of the town or you don't have to be a celebrity. You can just be a regular person. It doesn't matter your um, status in the community. You can do something to help someone else. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's your man, Mr. Direct. We got more interviews coming. We'll be back. See? That's hey. easy. Thank you. <laughs> It'd help if I turn on the microphones <laughs> a little bit. I always do that. Being a one-man band, it's hard. I want to talk about hypersensitive to racism. <laughs> I, the reason why is because sometimes when I see people say that you're a racist, I do check myself. I do. Uh-huh. Even if I disagree with them, I check myself and I try to examine. I think when people give you a criticism, even if you disagree with it, you need to examine yourself you and look at yourself and say, am I? Right. Right. Do you think that black people are just a little bit hypersensitive to, to when I say that overtly, like over the top, like, you know, like um, when we say people are too emotional, mm-hmm. like literally don't kill the snail. You're going to die. It's, it's a snail. You, you know what I mean? I understand. I think um, those black folks who are woke, so to speak, which is the new current term, those who are awake and who are aware, who know their history, who know what others have gone through and what they've gone through yes are more hypersensitive than normal i'm a little sensitive uh you 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 kind of big to be sensitive man oh i'm very sensitive i cry cry on you in a heartbeat but that's a whole other story um no i i think that's how you get the girls i think if you're if you're aware of your history and you understand what exactly is going on to your people for the 400 years been here in this in this country you would be hypersensitive and a little touchy about everything because you're aware. Um, when I was younger, ignorance was bliss. Yes. I was the happiest fat black kid walking the earth. May I say that? The more I learned, the more I studied, the more I saw the world, the more I saw America and its people for what we are is when I became more sensitive to racism and I catch little things and I see little eye movements and I hear little snickers. Yes. And and I, I you know, of course I noticed when I walk in the elevator with a, with a white woman, they clutch the purse a little more. I notice things. I just notice everything because I'm aware. I'm awake and I'm walking. I realize I have to walk a certain path. It's, you know, I... I so I'm I, very sensitive. What, what kills me about that, about the... Um, what kills me about the sensitive thing is that there's a little thing that we call tribalism. It's not little. Okay. Um, well, gay people are going to look after gay people. Women are going to look after women. Some. Some, not all, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this phrase that people, you know what I love about conservatives? When a, when a big machine of conservative throws out a word, 
They jump on they it. Jump on it. Oh, Nothing yeah. burger. What about isms? <laughs> fake news. They love using those terms. Schumer shutdown. Yeah. Now it's Schumer shutdown. What I love, absolutely love, and I don't care who you are, is the get over it. Mm. Mm. Get over it. It's it's so long and ago. It's, and, it, and, and it's and it's <laughs> racism isn't as big as you. It's you know what it is. It's the no. It's the powers that be that are the issue. The money. Yeah, and I agree. It is a money thing. Right. But here's the problem: if people with money can use racism to divide us, and you know this, why do you say racist shit? That comes from ignorance. But the, and I agree with you. But it's the perpetual. It's bigger than that. But I'm still going to say racist shit. Well, it's 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 really in people's DNA. They're going to say it because that's how they truly feel. So a recent study was done, and I'm not going to tell you where I saw the study at, but I'm just going to say that a recent study was done. In that study, the study basically said that as individuals, we are all hypersensitive to certain things according to how we grew up, what we experienced, and how it influenced who we are as people. It's funny that being a black guy from a white suburban town, right? Mm-hmm. And by the way, again, the guest calling number is 347-205-9571. If you have something to add to the conversation as well, go to the thread. Look at here. Go to the thread. Add a comment. It's, a, it, it's amazing that I tell people this story all the time and I go, I, I, want to, I want to tell you a story about my dealings of racism. I go to this guy's house. Beautiful house. First time me being in a house that big. I'm talking one of these Watchung Mountain houses. Okay, Cooper Road houses. Yes, I go in, and I'm never alone. My dad always told me when you go to a white person's house, don't ever be alone. You know, if you're not familiar with them, because if something goes missing, they always looking at the black person first. People don't understand that's taught in a house. Exactly, it's taught exactly. in a black home. It truly is. Yes. If you listen to your parents. You know this. So when I went there, I said, can I get a tour? Meaning, can you show me around? Oh, no, you could just go look. No. Can you show me around? The next day, somebody stole $10 from her brother's room. One of the guys said, well, you were the one that asked to be shown around. I was like, motherfucker, I was never alone. And I said, $10? I said to him, I said, dude, I want to tell you about who I am. Ten fucking dollars? You really think... I'm going to have somebody show me around the house and take 10 fucking dollars? Are you out of your mind? Never dawned on him for a second. Never dawned on him for a second about that. You know what I mean? But because I was the only black guy there, they all pointed the finger at me. Right? And then they tried to play the, well, you're defensive. I said, I'm defensive because I was never fucking alone. And the fact that you guys know that, and you accused me of stealing $10 like motherfucker, I could have stopped. I said, if you want the truth, she had some vases out there that were real nice. I could have taken a crystal vase, hid it in my hoodie, walked. I've done it before, meaning I was at a bar and they had this big ass bowl of Jolly Ranchers and somebody dared me to steal it. So I took it. But I mean, I hid it underneath my shirt. But I'm saying that was a big crystal vase. And I'm like, yo, I got like three hundred dollars for that bowl. And it was on a dare. See, that happened to you in Scotch Plains. No, taking the bowl was in Minnesota. And I was 35 years old when I did it (laughs) on Halloween night. But that's another story. (laughs) But what happened to me was I was hanging out with some guys from Westfield, and we went to uh, mutual friends that we met at a party in Wachung. And I say that to say that 
That's how black people feel. We have to be 20 times more protective of who we are and what we do, because if we don't, when something goes down, all right. it's us. Let me give you an example. See, uh, we grew up in the same town. Yeah. Different times, the same town. Um, and when I said earlier, when I was uh, ignorance is bliss, I didn't have those experiences in Scotch Plains. Okay. Um, I didn't have any racial or racist, racial things happen to me in the town I was raised in. I wasn't aware. Moving outside. Hold on, not to interrupt you. Moving outside of Scotch Plains, meaning when people always use that, well, you grew up in Scotch Plains. Why do you think our experience in life is limited to Scotch Plains? Keep right. going. All right. Well, basically, that's, that's about what I'm going to say. Um, growing up in Scotch Plains, I had a great life growing up here. I had loved high school, one of the rare people in life who did. Uh, everything for me in this town was great. And I never experienced racism until I got to college. And it was day two on college. What college was that? That was that was UVA, University of Virginia. Okay. And we all know what happened down in Charlottesville this year. I mean, that's yeah. a whole other story. But so I was kind of blinded by racism a certain way because I was treated so good in this town. My family was treated good in this town. I never had no beef in this town. This is my town. I love my town. But getting so I was I was ignorant. And I, I didn't know anything until I left the protection of this little Scotch Plains fan with area. Yes. And my eyes got open really quick, really fast. Where Do you think it was a shock to your system when you first hit it? Definitely a shock. Because it's night and day. It's you you go from the I know everybody. Right. They know who I am. Exactly. You know who I am. Even if you know someone doesn't like you, it's still the comfort of I know who you I are. I never ran to somebody who didn't like me. No, I'm just fucking with you. I said, I, I said fucking close my like, like I said something wrong you forget what show you're yeah, on exactly. Ooh, can't say fuck no I it, it was a rare case I'm sure I'm sure I had haters back then but I you never, didn't you didn't care they never stepped to me see I, I always had... knew I was an asshole so when people didn't like me I was like cause I'm an asshole I didn't care right so when you know so when when, when racism hit me flat dead in my face the first week I was on campus you know going to football practice and saying what are these people here oh they what are those white sheets? What the? I don't understand. They had a Klan rally on my campus. I ain't never saw that. And the people who were in that Klan rally, the people who I saw looked like people I grew up with. At that time, I was going with a beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed woman from Scotch Plains. And I saw- Is she watching? Who, is she watching the show? I don't, she probably, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who, who knows what she's doing? Um, I saw somebody who resembled her. Immediately pissed me off. I immediately broke up with her. I called her. I can't go with you no more because you look like this racist down here. I was hurt. Do you think that that was your hypersensitive towards that it? That was that was my first. Because it was the shock of that was what, my first where you came from. It was a shock of where you came from and what you were seeing now. And when you were seeing it, it right. was overtly in front of you as if this is the way life is. Right, but the thing that, that fucked with me most is there was a little kid. He couldn't be no more than three, four years old. And I'm walking from my dorm to the calf before I go down to football practice uh, to get something to eat. And the kid walked up to me and said, go home, nigga. I'm, I just turned 18 years old, and I ain't never been called nigga to my face before by a little kid. And the father patted him on the head and said, that's my boy. Really? I was blown away. Really? Shocked. That's, he basically said, that's my boy. And from that moment on, my life changed.
you looked at the world from a different oh, perspective. Yes. Oh, yes. From a completely different perspective. Oh, yes. My life changed. Is it hard? Is it hard to perceive that now where we're at in this world, where we're at, what we do, how we apply, how we think about people, is it, is it a hard concept to believe that maybe, just maybe, we overreact sometimes? <laughs> no. No? No. No. We can, we as a black people in America cannot overreact to racism. No. There's been too much shit done to us. There's too much hurt. There's too many people, people buried. There's too much bloodshed for the shit that's happened to us for not to be a little overly sensitive. Yeah, And I knowing that systems are still in place that keep us down and won't allow us to advance. It hurts. By the way, the guest caller number again is 347-205-9571. Anyone, comment in the thread. We've got a, a few comments in the thread going through. We read them. I'll read them again in case you guys weren't aware. Uh, big ups to uh, Taryn that's watching. Big ups to Tony. Tony Nuzo is watching. We're trying to get Tony on the show. Tony, I, 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 I think Tony's I scared. You. Come on, Tony. <laughs> Tony, you got to get on the show. It's Kurt. Yeah. Uh, Tony said a, a good comment right here. Tony, Kurt, growing up, we did not see the racist bullshit others did. Maybe we all grew up with true friendship. Maybe that's why I and your, uh, your other childhood white friends fight so fiercely against the racism we witness now. Maybe that's why we are shocked when we see it so much. It confuses me to see the reversed steps that have been made. Tony, that's a good point. But my, I will tell you this, Tony. One of my biggest arguments is that people say that Obama caused this divide. And I still look for examples where he caused the divide. And when they say, oh, well, when he said Trayvon Martin could have been his son. But don't we say that when we have a fallen soldier, show respect, that could have been, you know, that could have been your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle that served. So you show them. So why is it okay for us to, to relate to somebody at like a fallen soldier, someone that has cancer, someone that's going through a hard time? Think about them like they could have been family. And how would you react if that's your family? But when we talk about racism as something that's affecting us on a racist level, why are we not able to re why was President Obama not able to say that could have been my son? If I had a son, it could have been my son. Why was that offensive for him to say that? You're asking me, I, I don't I, I But mean, I'm asking you in your right. opinion. I, I don't know why it was offensive for people to take that. But as far with Tony, as far to respond what Tony says, I agree with you 100 percent We didn't we didn't roll like that for the most part. And, and, and we, we, we were I, we I didn't really grow up with people like that. Friends, like, but that's know? Scotch Plains. Exactly. But when you walk out of the element of Scotch Plains, and here's the thing. White people walk out of the element of Scotch Plains, they really don't have to think about that type of shit. Well, I don't care what town they live in. They, they don't have to think about that shit. Exactly. And, it's, and, and people get mad when you say, well, white, white versus black or whatever. But as a white person, you don't have to worry about that. When you're black or Spanish or somebody of color in Scotch Plains and you grow up here, and this is your whole life, from pre-K all the way to graduation, this is what you know. People know you. You know people. You go to the Italian festival. You go to freaking St. Patrick's Day. You all know each other. You relate to each other. As you get older, you either still love each other or you don't. But when you walk outside of the borders of these towns, I've got pulled over in Scotch in Westfield, and you can see the snarkyism on the cop's face. Oh, Scotch Plains, huh? And I'm pretty sure people from Westfield got that from Scotch Plains cops. You know what I mean? But again, being a black guy driving in a well-to-do Westfield neighborhood, even though I'm one town away, what are you doing here? 
Why are you here? I'm sorry. Well, hell, you get that in family. I only, live, I only live two blocks away. I'm just passing through going home. Right. That's why. Oh, well, you might want to. I actually had a cop tell me one time. I think I was 18 and a half. And this is one of the very few times I'm sharing a story. You might want to consider another path home. Wow. Wow. What do you say to that? But what do you say to that? Yes, sir. I'm heading home. As a, as a, seven, as a eight, 17, 18-year-old guy just got your license, what do you say when a cop tells you you might want to consider another? And especially the path I went home, it's obvious if you know those roads was the easiest way for me to get home. Right. You might want to consider another path home. That's, that's fucked up. Never got that in Scotch Plains. Why? Because Scotch Plains cops know you. Yeah. Because they know you because you register in Scotch Plains. But the minute you walk you got, you out got, of Scotch Plains, the, the, the protection you gotta, of the town. You got to speak on Fanwood, too, because Fanwood is, is a whole nother level. They, they, they're on the same par as a Westfield, as a Clark, as a Cranford. You think? Oh, as a Rose. Oh, I, we're talking Fanwood cops. Fanwood cops are the most petty. Oh, I got to drive through Fanwood, too, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Don't, don't. Let's not. Fanwood. I want the Fanwood mayor to come on the show. Okay. Not on this one, on the beer and politics okay, show. Okay, that's fine. So I don't want a dog fan without. I and and I know say, a couple of people, the, uh, the guy that came on the show earlier this week, uh-huh. his son is a Fanwood cop. All right. So I don't most, want to dog out all they the, Fanwood cops. They're the most petty motherfuckers ever met in my life. They petty. I mean. All right, that's my opinion about Fanwood <laughs> cops. That's all I got. So y'all need to stop being Hey, we, we're going to go to another break. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's what we do best. We're giving you that real talk. <laughs> Tony, you got to come. She said no, but Tony, you got to come on the show. We want people like yours opinion. It doesn't make a difference when you comment. It makes a difference when you come on and show solidarity and show people you're with us versus just dropping off a little jewels. That's just my opinion. We'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. It's real talk, baby. Hi, this is Amanda Barnett. I'm one of the co-chairs of the Martin Luther King Day of Service that happens throughout Fanwood and Scotch Plains. We just had our opening program over at the JCC, and now the events, as you can see from behind me, are happening. This is a sandwich-making event that is run by a Girl Scout troop, and one of the troop leaders is with us. This is Diane McGinnis. Hi, my name is Diane, and my Girl Scout troop, they're fifth-grade girls, and they're junior level Girl Scouts and they are coordinating the sandwich making project today. What they are doing is we provided Ziploc bags and gloves for each participant and visitors are coming and they're bringing bread, they're bringing meat and cheese and they're making their own sandwiches and packing them up and our girls are uh, counting them. We hope to make over a thousand and we will be donating them to the Salvation Army in Plainfield later today or tomorrow. That's just one of the many volunteer opportunities happening here throughout the day. And you can go to our website, www.spfmlkday.wildapricot.org, to learn about more of our activities and to learn more about us. Thank you. Mr. Direct, we are at the Martin Luther King Day. Start again. This your man, Mr. Direct, I'm back. This time, I actually, A, I, I pulled a really big one on this one. I got the mayor of Fanwood. You can say your name. Colleen Marr. And I got the mayor of Scotch Plains. Al Smith. How much better can it get than that? I got both mayors on here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you guys, what does a day like today mean to you? 
Um, today is a really special day, I think, for both of us as elected officials and mayors in our towns because we get to see so many of our residents that are coming out together to really act in Dr. Martin Luther King's spirit, you know, and channel his words and his message into actual actions. I, I agree the, with that. Dr. King was transformative. I lived through the March on Washington. I've seen the changes. And I have a day of service in his remembrance. It's such a great way to remember him because he was a man of service. He was a man of honor and a man of respect. So this is a great day to be here. Do you feel that we need to do more of these days of service where it's we really need to try? It's great that we impact them on one day, but maybe we need to do this again like maybe twice a year, three times a year, where we really pull people together and say, okay, we really need, and not only about Dr. King, but in general, a day of service where we're giving back to everyone. Um, I, I would say... Like in, in Fanwood, you know, our residents sort of define who our community is. And I would say that we have a tremendous volunteer base just because local government really needs the help yes. of our residents. So they serve on the boards and commissions. They serve in the athletic organizations. They serve in their churches. You know, they serve on our events. So I feel that we really have a group of people that do come together, you know, on a, on a regular basis mm -hmm. while they're raising their families while they're trying to make a living and pay the taxes to, to be able to afford to stay here. We don't here. want to get political. No talk about taxes. But, but I think like a day today just shines a light, you know, on all the good things that Martin Luther yes. King represented. My answer is ditto. I mean, we have an amazing community between Fairbanks and Scotch Plains. I have just, I'm always amazed at how people come out to help the amount of, uh, service they're doing, either through recreation, sports, raising money for various charities. It's just amazing. I, I'll actually agree with that. What's your favorite quote from Martin Luther King? Oh, my God. Um, oh, yes. Uh, let's see if I can get it right. I, I live for the day when a man is judged by his character, not the color of his skin. That's a very, that's a that's very a powerful one, one especially yes. in today's climate where it seems like we're dividing ourselves for the wrong reasons versus uniting for the right reasons. And I love that one quote I love saying to everyone. Yeah. We all just want to be judged by who we are as everyday people. I agree. I you completely agree. it doesn't get any better than that. No, it doesn't. What is, what's the rest of your day going to look like? Um, the rest of my day is going to go visit some of the uh, opportunities of service that we have mm. here in my community. Is to get my three boys and uh, bring them along and have Are you them participate. Super sandwiches. I'm making probably neither. I'll go visit, but I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to. Here I'm over to IHM. I'm getting the soup. Yeah, yeah. We'll go visit so the you're seniors. Go get yeah. the soup. Right. Okay. Macklin Hart and Mary's doing a senior luncheon today. Yeah, um, so I will stop okay. over there. I'll be I'm at the library. I'm volunteering. I think I'm supposed to read. But I'm also going to help make sandwiches. There you go. So I'm going to figure out how that's going to work from making sandwiches to reading. All good. Well, I don't even have kids, though. That's so okay. Kinda, I'm kind of paralyzed on that. But All I want to thank you guys for you thank know, you. taking the thank time. Thank you so very much for coming out here and Check highlighting Check out on Wednesday. Okay. okay. It'll be Beer and Politics. Okay, great. Uh, Tom Krantz is this Awesome. Week. Tom okay, Krantz will be on this week. Bill, Bill Brennan is the co-host. And... This will be one of the interviews that we air during the show. Oh, awesome. Very good. Thank you. Nope. Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy the day. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
We are back. Doing what we do best, giving you a little bit of real talk. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Tony said a very poignant thought in uh, the chat. And I want, Curtis, I want you to do me a favor and I want you to read what she said. Okay. It was about uh, Obama. how they felt uh, relations got worse since Obama was in office. Okay. Uh, to the comment of Obama, according to CNN, 54% say relations between blacks and whites have gotten worse since Obama became president, including 50, 57% of whites and 40% of blacks. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I, I want to discuss this real quick, and then we're going to move on because this whole show is about racism. I'm going to admit it. I don't care. We don't always do it because we usually dive into other shit. Right. But this one we are going to, because it's so big this week, so we have to talk about it. There's a problem in white America with black people talking about racism. The man that was in the highest seat in the nation is supposed to represent everybody. Unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of white America could not accept a black man in that seat. Now, he needed he needed white votes to get into the seat. So I'm not saying all of America. What I am saying is there was a base of people who could not accept a man of color in the highest seat talking about the issues of black America, police brutality. Barack Obama never said he hated police. What he said was there's a history of police brutality in the black community. Automatically, it was turned. He's anti-police. Now, I had a gentleman tell me the reason why he didn't like him is because they have a national meeting Somewhere and Barack Obama, unlike other presidents, never like only showed up like twice in eight years, something like that. So he said for him, it showed no solidarity with the police, something towards those terms. Okay, so maybe for him, that's a valid reason to believe he's anti-police. However, if you're aware and you're in the community, he was a community organizer. Why would you think or why would you have the perception that a person of color cannot tell you the truth of what they've seen. America, as we've said earlier in this segment, has a problem that they don't want to see what it looks like from the other view. I don't know what the view looks like from a gay person. I have to take their views. You know, like people are anti-gay. I have to take their, it's their experience. And if they tell me, dude, what you're saying is kind of homophobic, I got to examine it because that's what you do as a human being. But there's a section of America who doesn't want to examine their racist bias. It's a fact. Well, they don't want to examine it. Well, if you've been in a certain position your whole life and generation prior to that and the generation prior to that, you can't imagine yourself like you can't imagine yourself being anything but superior in your mind. Uh, we talked about this on a few shows prior. Um, as, as black folk and people of color, and I can't speak for the LBGTQ community or any other communities but my own, we're not looking to be superior over anything. All we want is our fair share. All we want is even playing field. If you think you're superior and you think you give somebody else any props or anything, that's going to feel like things are being taken away from you. 
Okay, so you don't want to give that up. So you're going to fight tooth and nail. Tooth and nail to keep the other person down or the other people down. You're not going to want to share. So that mentality that their parents put in their heads, that their parents' parents put in their heads, this this feeling of this is my country, although it has no, it's not your country. Um, you, you don't want to share. You know, I guess, I guess equality in some minds equals I'm being put down. Okay, white people don't want to share. Well, not all white people. There are just there. There's people out there that don't want to share. Are we correct? Oh yeah. That being said, let's let, let let's clear that back and let's just go backwards from that. Okay. That being said, it's if you have an advantage, then I have a disadvantage. Right. Why are you crying? Everything happens. I remember I got in an argument with a guy one time. He said, you have HBCUs. You have BET channels. This was their argument. <laughs> he said, you have BET channel. Owned by a white person. Okay. Oh, owned, owned by a white person. Right? Right. And why do you need Miss Black America? Okay, let's talk about traditions. Right? Miss Black America was because at one point, Black women were not being allowed in Miss America. Okay, well, they are now. Why don't you let it go? Because it's a tradition. Hey, Vanessa Williams. Because it was a tradition, and it kept going. Because sometimes you were voting and nominating and winning black women that didn't really look like black women. They had more European features. They were mixed. They weren't necessarily African-American. I like to call them victims of the swirl. Those were mixed. And and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. But... For the black people that have the Miss Black America pageant, uh-huh. I don't know if this is it still going on. Miss Black America, okay, I believe it is still going. For those, I, I don't get Jet Magazine. You, I, I don't get Jet Magazine anymore. I bet you it's in Atlanta. Could be, which is going to be kind of hard because that's the home of that's the biggest home of homosexuality in the black community. That's another subject for another time. But when they don't look like you, you do something because you want people that look like you. Right. Right. That's where you get the Miss Black America contest. Miss Black USA, whatever. And the Image Awards. Or and the MLK, Image Awards. Yeah. Because the stuff that we do as a people, why do you guys have your own award show? Because the stuff that we do as a people, we want to give thanks to those people because they look like us and because we can relate to them. And we understand their, you know, we understand what they went through to get to that point. We understand the struggle. Why can't we praise ourselves? Why can't we? What's wrong That's a good that? point. Why can't we praise ourselves? Why are we not allowed to do it? They do it other they listen. When you watch the Grammys for the longest time, white men were taking music from black people and, and well listen and singing the music, and it was an African American arranger, an African American writer, African American producer taking the music making it their own, winning awards, and yet and still, you know, oh, there's no problem. Elvis Presley. Please. He was a great dude, but he was singing music that was basically coming from the black community. Okay? Elvis Presley. You know, I'm going to give you a song. Have you ever seen Cadillac Records? Yes, I have seen Cadillac Do you remember the song by Little Walter, My Baby? I would need to. My baby should only know... You know what I mean? They show a clip uh-huh. where Elvis is singing a song to a crowd of white people and they're losing their minds as if they never heard this music, which they might not have. 
But that was what was going on during that time. What about Hound Dog? That was originally by, sung by a black woman. woman. Yes. Hound Dog. You ain't nothing but a hound point, dog. The point was being is, and the thing is, I'm not saying it still Elvis. goes on today. My point is, white America for as long time had a problem Jeez. with the black voice unless it was delivered by a white person. Yeah. And President Obama coming into office and basically saying, I'm in the office and I'm just going to tell you facts. Oh, he went on an American. He went. He hated America. Really? He hated America so much that he did everything in his power to try to make things better for everyone. Exactly. Well, what did he do? You know what's my biggest thing? My what biggest thing that I hate? People? You ready? No. What did he do for black people when he was in office? Exactly. Okay, but didn't you say that he was elected to be the a president of all people? That's the thing. That's the thing that people understand. Obama, he, what he gave for, what he gave to black people was hope. Okay? That's about all he did for us. But what was all he right? supposed to do? He That's was, what kills me. He was the president of all of us. He didn't just speak to the base. He didn't just talk to his base. He helped everybody. And the only thing really he's done for black people was give us hope and give us pride. You know what? After 400 years, we needed that. We needed that. We needed that. To, that's what Obama gave. If there's a man. Don't get it twisted. It, he, wasn't a, he was I, a black president. I'm going to tell, tell you racism that was right in your face, and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and people are going to ignore it. When Trump said because of Obama – we're never going to elect another black person again, probably in, their, in our lifetime. Like, I, I want you to understand how racist that was. Before Obama, we had 42 white presidents, but we could keep electing white presidents that fuck it up, make shit bad. So basically what he was telling you guys to your face and you ignored it because, oh, it wasn't racist. He was right when he says it. And I love it when people say that. There's guys that go in threads and some of these things, and they say that to me. They go, Obama ruined it for you people because you'll never have another black president. So what you're saying is one black man represents every black man, but one white person only represents themselves. When you repeat that type of rhetoric, you're saying, I represent every black person that lives in America. Yeah. Think about how racist that is. Think about how blatantly racist that is. I represent every black person in this country, but when a white person fucks up, oh, Bob fucked up. <laughs> I mean, and don't they, hire, don't. And, and people also think that uh, a, a lot of white people think that everything Obama did, that every black person supported everything he did. No, that is not the case at all. No, not the he case wasn't at all. the best president in the world. He wasn't. I'm gonna give you guys he an example. Not. I'm gonna give you guys an example. First of all, Obama was more like Bush 2.0. Okay, oh. he really continued a lot of the policies the that wars. Bush was doing in the wars and stuff like that. Yeah. People tried. I knew this dude was racist as shit when he said this. You ready? Oh, but you don't have a problem with Obama um, um, drone bombing brown people, right? I'm gonna explain to you how stupid you are when you use that argument. You ready? And I'm going to turn the camera to me just so it's, it's there for a second. This is how stupid you are when you have this argument. Look at me and understand what I'm saying. When George Bush was in office and they started the bombing, people started dying. Our American soldiers started dying. Hidden bombs, people hidden in hospitals, people hidden in schools, stuff of that nature. People complain about the casualties. How was it 2009, 2010, and we still have these bullshit casualties? Should we not have the technology to lower the casualties? Obama then commissioned drone striking. Show me where 
we can bomb somebody and we'll send in drones and that'll lower the casualties. That will lower the amount of people, that soldiers, that we're sending in. What happened was ISIS, who became big, I'll admit it, they became big. ISIS was hiding in schools, hospitals, hospitals libraries, basic town areas where it was civilians. At that point, every, every single last general, every person that was in command had permission to just fire off. If you know that this is where they are, fire off. Okay? Well, when you're, when you're zone striking, when you're zone striking, you don't have time to say it's a hospital. So what happened was Pakistan, Afghanistan, whoever it was, came back and said, listen, you're killing a lot of civilians. You're killing a lot of people. You got to fix this. So Obama came back and said, okay, I need you guys to notify me of where these places are before we strike so that we won't have these casualties, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to kill all these people. These are civilians. We want to kill the enemy. We don't want to kill the civilians. This is called being a human and caring about people, right? So when he did that, who jumped on it that he wasn't being aggressive enough and attacking enough? Republicans. What did Donald Trump do when he came into office? He removed that and said, if you want to kill, kill at will. But you notice they're not reporting anymore on the casualties or anything else. Do you you know the casualties went up? You don't see any bodies coming back home either through, uh, through Andrews Air Force Base. They don't show you that. No. No, they don't. They don't show you that. Do you know casualties went up? Go look it up online. You people think I'm joking. Go look it up online. You can see that the casualties have gone up. because, And even though ISIS is going back, human casualties are still up. Why? Because Trump said, do whatever the fuck you want. Just, just solve the problem. Wasn't his first week in office when those, when those men died in uh, North Africa? Yeah. Well, not the first week. It was like was within it? the first two or three months. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Was Point being, I don't agree with everything Obama did. No, me neither. I don't think he should have done zone striking. He should have left it and said, listen, let's kill these motherfuckers. Not every black person agrees with Obama. I sure the hell didn't. But <laughs> where do we get to the point that America finally says, we? I, I'm not talking Al Sharpton. He's an ambulance chaser. In my opinion, Al Sharpton chases ambulance. I know a lot of you guys at home are going to be like, oh, my God, he spoke against Al Sharpton. I was never a fan of him since Tamika Brawley. He's an, I figured out then he's an ambulance chaser. If somebody comes up with a good half-assed story and he knows he can make money out of it, he'll chase it down because he's I'm about his pockets. On, I'm going to speak on this. Go I, ahead. I, I, I personally know uh, Reverend Al. He was a family friend. He was a good friend of my mother's. Um, and he's been in my home plenty of times. Um, but as far as I, I understand his reputation, and I, understand, you know, I knew Big Al. I don't know. You know, you knew Al, Al before much. the surgery. I knew Al okay. before. I knew Al. Al was big and had Jerry had the straight hair. Um, but as a man, he's he's a good man too. He's never did anything bad to me. I can understand where people come from where they don't like Al Sharp. They think he's a race baiter. And I think you need to understand when we're talking about being uh, racially sensitive and oversensitive when it comes to that. Um, at, he is a leader in the community. He was, lead, he, was, he was a leader in the community and still is a leader in the community. I, I don't doubt that. Um, I understand what you said about the, the about, about Tawana Brawley. I remember that. Tamala, not, not Tamika, Tawana Brawley. You're right. Said, yes. Said, 
I oh. said it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember all that, and I understand. But he was trying to bring light to the trying to bring light to what the hell was going on with us black folks. All right, and it was her that was in the wrong, not him. She came with a false story. Right. Right. He, but he, he was he trying to do the right over. thing. He jumped all over. He it. didn't do the investigation. Right. And that's why I said, in, in my defense, that's why I called right. him an ambulance chaser. Because if you came to him with a good story, like, for instance, the whole thing with Michael Jackson and Sony. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson came out and called him the devil. Right? Mm-hmm. He fought with Sony. You know what he did to Sony? He said, we sat down with Sony. Sony agreed to give so much money to my coalition, my action coalition. Plus... Sony's going to work with us to develop some production so he would get credit in production and get a check. Now, for me, is a check going to silence if Sony is practicing racist, bigoted, prejudiced actions? But he went silent when they, gave it, when they cut him a check. Like I said, the only racism that, the only color that isn't racist is green. It always comes that we, we know this already. And that's it's about that, though. It is. And that's what's sad is that when we say that, we're not willing to admit that it's sad that a dollar will stop the racism. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you with that. I would agree with that. You know what I mean? I don't like him, but I know he'll make me a lot of money, so I will tuck my racism to the side because I know I'll make a lot Everybody of money. Everybody got their price, yo. Every, everyone does have their everybody price. Everybody got their price. We always say that about sex. So like, yo, everybody got a dollar. Everyone's got a figure in their head. What, is, what was the old joke? You ever, uh, do you remember Def Comedy Jam? He goes, he goes, if a man paid you a million dollars, would you suck his dick, right? And the guy was like, no. And he goes, the guy, the comic goes, shit, for $10 million, I'll, I'll suck a dick butt naked in the middle of the Macy's Day Parade with a pink bow tie around my neck. <laughs> Everyone's got a price for what they want in life. No doubt. All right? Sadly, this whole experience that we've gone through this week is ridiculous. And we want to talk about something that I know a lot of you guys are not aware about. Some of you that live in New Jersey might be aware. I don't know if you are. And I'm just going to show you a news flash real quick. This happened in New Jersey a former Bordentown police, township police chief was indicted, accused of lying to FBI in a racial case. You're not supposed to lie to the FBI. That's one of the problems right there. Yeah. The problem is, and I want you guys to, know, to look at this, Frank M. Nassero Jr., the former South Jersey police chief, charged last month with a federal hate crime, assault, and civil rights violation against a young black man. He was indicted. The problem with this is... He had been going on for a while. He'd been there for years. He compared black people to ISIS and said they don't matter. As if he's in a war zone, so taking out one of them will not make a difference. He was recorded saying this by another officer, which I always say, you want to get rid of police brutality, police abuse, you need one of these people to break the seal, the code of silence, and bring these people down because we have police officers who are doing exceptional fucking jobs. Chris Aversa from Scotch Plains does an excellent job. True. I was pulled over the other day for registration. You know what the guy said? Show me that you have insurance. You'll be on your way. I had weed in the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. But I was pulled over for the registration. You know what I mean? 
Show show me you got insurance. I call a progressive. They sent they sent me an email on a smartphone. Boom, there you go. There are police officers that do their job. Anytime people talk about police brutality, we're not talking about all police officers. We're talking about those few that do it. Right. This gentleman right here is one of the few that makes it bad. This gentleman right here is one of the few who does it really poor, piss poor job, and he's an officer of the law. Well, he was chief of police, right? Chief of police. We're going to show you guys. It's a five-minute clip. I hope you guys stay around. You better stay around. I want to show you guys this clip, and we'll be back in a moment. So we get a lot of... Uh... I, want, I really want to thank uh, Mayor Lynch and Chief Miller for uh, joining us on this Former student. This is a uh, community issue. And despite the fact that we're two different communities, if you will, the city and the township, we're really all one, one together. Yes, it's, it's very so, much appreciated that, uh, that we stand up here unified and uh, ready to confront this, these issues. So I really appreciate that. Uh, my name's Brian Pesh. I've uh, been a police officer for the township for 19 years, born and raised here in Bordentown. Uh, when I took over as acting chief on February 1st of last year, I immediately held a department-wide meeting with all the officers and talked about how we were going to change our mindset. Uh, we were going to change from a uh, warrior mindset to a guardian mindset. And for those who don't know what that means, uh, I'll try to best describe it for you. A warrior, in my opinion, is someone who escalates situations, mm -hmm. who commands people, and who forces compliance. A guardian is someone who did de-escalate situations, who uh, communicates with people, and who gains compliance. And that is the philosophy and the mindset of the Bordentown Township Police Department uh, as of February 1st of 2017. microphones we're back sorry about that microphones are down we're going to go to a break we're going to be back in a moment it's one of the it's next to the last break or something like that but either way we'll be back in a moment don't go anywhere it's mr direct real talk it's real talk baby it's cocaine in a can baby we're still here at the doctor oh, i'm sorry i said that the wrong way We're still here at the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Stop doing what? That's his name, Rev. Don't you just hate it when producers ruin your flow? I had a flow going. I'll probably screw this up, so it's cool. <laughs> We're still here at the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service at the Jewish Communities. Jewish. I said Jewish. I messed it up. We're still here at the Jewish Community Center, and we are having lots of fun. I just did a need, the Need to Read program with this young lady to myself. Can you, to myself, see, can we stop? <laughs> We're still here at the day of service at the Jewish Community Center for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm here with Shonda. Yes. And we're here with the Need to Read program 
that was established in 2014. I was fortunate enough to be able to read to the people that were in here. But Shonda, can you tell people about this course, about this program a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So the Need to Read program is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit. We offer a literacy program to homeless youth that are residing in a shelter program that's housed by local congregations. So we have quite a few here that actually house the families uh, in Scotch Plains and Fanwood. Now, first I want to say, Shonda says she's been secretly stalking me, so I appreciate it. <laughs> It's nice to know that people secretly stalk the program and understand what Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. Very, very, very beautiful. What got you involved in this? What motivated you to be involved with this? You know what? Uh, a local congregation asked myself and my husband. Uh, we have a uh, church in the community, Kingdom Life Cathedral here in Scotch Plains, and they asked us if myself, my husband, and any of our church members uh, would like to come and volunteer to feed the homeless families. And, you know, I went and I did that, and I left feeling very unfulfilled. Um, it was very rewarding for me, but I felt like I had more to give. So I sat, spoke with the Family Promise uh, Director, Jalene Donovan in Union County in Elizabeth. And I said, I need to do more. What can I do? And she said, you know, well, we have a need for a literacy program. We don't have one. Well, do you think you can come up with something? And I was like, absolutely. That's right up my alley uh, as a former private preschool teacher. And so Need to Read was birthed out of that. Do you feel that because of technology, we have less people actually getting involved with reading, not reading to their kids, not giving their kids books, things of that nature to really help with their literacy? Absolutely. I do think because we have the technology, we are not turning to books as often. Um, sometimes, you know, we have over 10,000 books in storage, and that's because people are getting rid of books, and most of it is moving to tablets. But, you know, I really encourage technology as well in the incorporation of literacy, uh, and I just want people to know that literacy is everywhere, whether it's on a tablet, whether you're doing a recipe, you're learning units of measure, you're reading the print material there. You know, just really get out and read and encourage your children to read as well. Wow, see, she's selling herself better than I ever can. <laughs> what, what was your inspiration to get involved with today? Uh, today, this is actually uh, Need to Read's third year doing the MLK Day of Service. Uh, I think it's so important to get out here in our community, not only to let them know that Need to Read is here and what we're doing with literacy, but I think it's really important uh, to continue on the mission of Dr. King, who wanted us to serve our fellow man despite religion, race, or anything like that. And so I'm just really excited to get out here and bring a diverse group of people together um, just under the you know notion of coming out to read. That's awesome to me. What's your favorite Dr. King, Dr. King quote? Uh, my favorite Dr. King quote. That's actually really good. You know, I don't have one off the top of my head. There was about two years ago, I saw one that I really, really liked, and I was putting it in everything. And honestly, I can't quite remember it and quote it at this point. But I think that everything that he said uh, was beneficial. And every time he spoke, it was always a right-on-time message that the community really needed to hear. Um, some of it, you know, uh, what he said brought a lot of people together. Some people didn't like some of the things that he said. But at the end of the day, look where we are now, you know, years later. It's a very important message. I want to thank you. Yeah. Make sure you guys check out the Need to Read program. Here's the information right here. The Need to Read. To, uh, oh, look at that. I messed it up. The Need to Read.org. Yeah. Brightening our world one book and one child at a time. Very important message. Thank you guys for joining us. See you next week. I applaud this covenant.
but it demonstrates our impotence because in many of the chapters it keeps going back to not only what we do but really we start looking to the same liar that has continued to promise but never fulfill and that's why God said if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven forgive your sins and heal your land so don't look to them look to God look to yourself break your covenant with hell and death then make a covenant with black America and let's help implement a road map that will free us and the whites that will be freed can be freed by this. The Mexicans, the Hispanics can be freed by this road map. We are a universal people. But those at the top, they're on their way to hell. And if I got any power, I want to push them into hell as fast as I can. We are a full nation now, and we got to stop thinking like Negroes and colored people and shines and ham bones and start thinking like free men and women who don't want to live on a plantation no more. I got to go. That was a little clip from the Minister Farrakhan from the Black Caucus. I don't know what year that was. I don't know what year that was. Oh, my, my microphone's not on. See, I'm so stupid. I do that. That was a little clip from the Minister Farrakhan, uh, from the Reverend Minister Farrakhan. Honorable. Honorable, who he was built to speak. You ever, you ever hear the, the, the power in what he says? I'll tell you, man, the first time uh, I, I've heard, I heard Louis Farrakhan speak in person, it was at the original Million Man March. Yes. Um, funny enough, I lost a lot of friends because of that. When they found out you went? No, they wouldn't go with me. These are brothers who uh, who I was tight with in college. It was all black men. I said, hey, y'all, let's go down to this, let's go down to this million man march. It's gonna be something special. I ain't going down there with all them niggas. Really? You kidding me? Really, dude? You kidding me? I lost a lot of friends that day. But anyway, uh, when I went down to the million man march, there was a million black men, and trust me, there were more than a million of us. It was the most beautiful experience I ever had in my life. Life-changing experience. But when I heard the man speak, I, I was, I'm not a follower of the, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. Mm -hmm. I am not a Muslim, um, but I respect. Well, you got to respect what he is about. And he's about unifying the black community. Man, His methods might be different, right. but he's about unifying the black community. And a black community stop killing each other and i don't just mean in chicago in general right stop looking because i've made my three million dollars stop looking down on a dude that's still hustling to make his two dollars and oh, we do that, that, that we oh, we sure do we do that we're like crabs in a barrel we're crabs in a barrel 100 percent. and what he speaks on is how we keep looking for the oppressor to help us to help us yes and the thing is the oppressor is saying listen if you motherfuckers can't help yourselves why do I want to help you? And when I say that, there are certain words that piss people off. I'm not saying I'm oppressed. What I'm saying is, and he said it, those people at the top have a ticket to hell. 
The reason being is because they are using race. They're using gender. They're using all this shit to divide us, and they're doing evil tactics to keep the money in their pocket. Us as a people, women needed to, today was the Women's March. Women need to unite for women's rights, women's movements, women's things. How about equal pay? Okay. Black people need to unite and say we're together. And the problem is too many of us got a little bit of good. Nobody bothers me. Nobody says I go, I do my job, I eke out a living. Malcolm X said it. I always tell people I'm a cross between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Hmm. Malcolm X was militant. He wanted to tell you to your face what an asshole you are. Martin Luther King, I want to love my enemy. I'm going to love those who love me. And I'm going to shed light on a problem and let them see how this goes. However, I'm going to tell the asshole to his face, you're an asshole. I have no time for you. Remember when I was telling you about that guy on your thread that threatened to punch me? Mm -hmm. I went on somebody else's thread and he threatened to punch somebody else. (laughs) That seems to be his thing. Yeah. That seemed to be his thing, and, and he said, I don't care about going to jail. It'll be the satisfaction. All right. So any person of color that speaks up for themselves and says what they feel, I'm just going to punch you because I don't like you and because you're not saying what I want you to say. You know, I hate That's that. what we're facing, and that's what we mean when we say we have friends that run in these flocks who claim they ain't racist, but yet and still the minute a person of color speaks up, they want to punch a person of color in their face. Because they disagree. Think about that. I want to give a big ups to Tony for comment. The big ups to Lena Miranda. Lena. Big ups to Nikki Blow. Is it Blow? Nikki Blow? Nikki. It says Blow. B L O W. I hope hey. I. It could. It could have said Blue. You hey, know. I don't Nikki. know. Nikki, how you doing? <laughs> Nikki Blow. Hey. Big ups to everybody. Kimberly, Just Kim, Rick, Rickard. I understand that you and I had an altercation a few months, a few years ago. Uh-oh. And I, I want you to know, I still stand my ground. I'm a grown-ass man. Don't ever tell a grown-ass man how to act. Don't ever tell a grown-ass man how to act. You know I'm going to have to hear about this. He's stuck. A grown-ass man is stuck <laughs> in his ways. He knows who he is, and he's going to do what he does. Yeah. When, you try to dis- when you try to discipline a grown-ass man in public, if he's affirmed of who he is and what he stands for, he's going to tell you right back. And my mother always told me two things. Don't ever put your hands on a woman. But at the same time, if you feel a woman disrespects you, make sure you tell her where to go. Straight to hell. Fuck you. I'm not saying it to you, to, to you, Kimberly. I'm saying it as pull me to the side if you want to correct me. Because I have no problem with being pulled to the side. Hey, you said this wrong. You offended me. But when you try to correct me in front of people, my ass will show out. That's just who I am. And I've done it. I've done it to everyone. Black, white, girl, guy, old, young. I got an uncle right now that disowned me because I told him to fuck off at the dinner table. <laughs> Who are you talking to? You got that white girlfriend. How you going to bring that white girlfriend around here? You could fuck me. You could kiss my ass because I don't like your ass. And the whole family looked at me like I was crazy. The uncle that everybody loved. I was like, I don't give a damn about you, bro. How you going to tell a grown man what to do with his time? Maybe. Just saying. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody out there that commented, everybody that was part of this. You don't have to like me. You can love Curtis because Curtis is a little bit nicer than I am. Curtis is a lot nicer than I am. I'm actually an asshole. I just ain't got time for people. But 
understand the conversation we have. If you loved the conversation, hit the share button. Hit the share button, tag a few people, let them hear this. Because these are things that we need to hear. We'll be back in two weeks doing what we do best, giving you a little bit of that real talk like only we can. Seriously, thank you guys for watching. Next time you see us, I don't know what we're going to be doing, but we're going to do something special. We're out of here. Till the next time. Peace and love. <laughs> I guess somebody Still doing more interviews on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service. Who do I have with me? Rabbi Joel Abraham at Temple Shalom here in Scotch Plains. Okay, now I'm going to give him crap because I sent him an email to appear on the show, and he decided he didn't want to be there. Scared so he me didn't off. respond. He didn't respond to the email. So I would be heartbroken, but then he said he'd do this interview, so he's making up for it. Kind of. I do apologize for not responding. Uh, I'm giving everybody a hard time. That's the name of the show. I did look at your show to see that. Did, so you notice that <laughs> yeah. that's what I do, right? Yeah. That's what makes it such a pure, good show. Everybody gets an authentic voice. I saw you speaking up there, mm -hmm. and I, you were very eloquent in speaking. How impactful, impactful was Martin Luther King on you? So every... Um, we started our movement in Reform Judaism to on the Shabbat that comes around Martin Luther King Day to recognize this as Sedek Shabbat. But I have been doing, since I've been here at my congregation, I've been reading one of his speeches out loud to the congregation. Rather than speaking about Dr. King, really sharing his words. So some of the impact he's had on me has really been the chance to read over so many of his speeches and see what he had to say. But I would say the biggest thing is this is a guy who, when he's thrown in jail in Birmingham, writes a letter to other clergy people like Joseph and says, why aren't you here in prison with me? Why am I the only one here? Why aren't you here with me? This is obvious. This is something I got to do. And, and that's the call that really appeals to me, which is when the obvious nature of injustice is out there, how can you not be out there doing something? How long have you been here as a um, rabbi? I've been in my congregation for 18 years. Okay. Uh, we just celebrated that last month. Uh, but uh, we've been here, in, we were in Fanwood from 2003, and we just moved into our building in Scotch Plains in, about four years ago. Okay. When, have you seen a lot of change since Day of Service started with Obama in office? Basically, so Michelle Obama said at the inauguration, she be a day on, not a day off. My wife and I looked around and we said, there was no, they gave us a list of volunteers. It was all like drop off cans here, drop off food there. Yes. Uh, organized here. We said, we want something we can do with our families and teach these values to our kids. Mm -hmm. So the ministerium, which represents, I don't know if you know about the ministerium, it's not just the houses of worship, it's also all the volunteer organizations, okay. the mayors, and the school superintendent. We all sit together. And I came to the ministerium and said, what can we do? We had a meeting. And we said, great, we should do something. And that's where it started, and getting everybody together. And the idea was to get families together. Kids aren't in school, so let's have parents and kids and everybody together doing stuff in our community, because there are organizations in our community people don't even know about, yes. let alone people they don't know in their community. So, yeah. You're volunteering today, right? Are you, uh, are you yes. supervising, or are you actually volunteering? A little of both. Okay. Uh, I'll be over with Social Justice Matters in the library. Okay. They're doing a couple of interesting uh, informational programs, mm -hmm. and we're doing three, two or three projects at the temple. I have to go open the door and set up there. Perfect. I think I'm, i got to go right and talk to them because I've got to... No, no. Just got to say i got to get Courtney because i got to volunteer to do lunches. Great. I'm, I'm volunteering to do lunches and I'm reading. Good. I know that. What is his most powerful quote that you could think of from Martin Luther King? Uh, as I said before, you know, because I heard you ask this before, I was going to think of this. I, I don't think it's a quote so much. I mean, the words are great and they're really inspiring. It's the actions. It's the fact that, you know, where was he when he was killed? He was in Memphis. 
with a garbage worker strike, right? Nobody cares about garbage workers. Martin Luther King said, you know, just, just, just as important as everything else he's doing, he's got to be there in Memphis with everybody. I think that is the most powerful thing that anyone has said. Everyone thought that he was just about civil rights, and he was about the rights for everyone. It, it went, also, anti-Vietnam War is a great yes, speech. I, I was actually listening to that this morning. Mm -hmm. Very good speech. I think people don't understand how powerful he was overall. They try to just cornerstone him in one avenue and say this is all he stood for, but he stood for so much more. I actually got a chance to go visit the home, not the home, I got to go visit the uh, Lorraine Hotel yep. in Memphis, and I actually cried because you see the yeah. jail cell, even though it's a replica, yeah. but you realize this man went to jail just for saying, I want to be treated like a human being, like everybody else. Yeah, There's some interesting stuff. I mean, I think they just set up a civil rights trail. Um, as, as to kind of help people bring in and do that. And I think he's doing great work right now is, is Reverend William Barber II. I don't know if you found what he's been doing in the Moral Mondays movement I'm in North to, Carolina. I'm going to have to look him up. And look, he's, he has taken the, the reins now of the Poor People's Campaign. And they're doing a year of, um, of, uh, of social justice work and resistance wow. through the year. So he's doing some good stuff. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Keep doing your I work. I look forward to you being on the show. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs>